listening to Hope Signals, the podcast of Life on the Verge Ministries, offering Bible-based insights to help you live a life of purpose and passion. Well, thanks for listening. This is your host, Mark Mason. Hope Signals is a ministry of Life on the Verge. You can learn more about Life on the Verge at lifeontheverge.com. In Romans 12, 3, Paul says, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Well, Paul's warning, you know, the ear shouldn't say to the eye, you need to see better, and the eye shouldn't say to the ear, you need to hear better. We, we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves because we're gifted in an area that someone else isn't gifted in. That's what he's getting at. And definitely there are people that struggle in that area. I would say that there are as many people that struggle in the opposite direction. They don't think highly enough of themselves. They, they don't think highly enough of the things that God has gifted them with, the things that they have accomplished in life. At least that's my case. You know, I'm a type A personality. Uh, my One of my former pastors used a term, I can't think of the term off the, off the top of my head. What did he say? I was a overachiever. <laughs> yeah, that's a word, overachiever. And part of what drives that is this thinking that, I can do better. I'm not good enough, you know. Now, I deal with that, okay. I recognize it. Remember, that's part of dealing with negative thinking patterns is to recognize them, right? Recognize them and and then ultimately reject them, replace them. And in a previous episode, we talked about sometimes that takes repetition to back up and say, wait a minute. Um, in the series Plow Now that I did at the end of the year there, it was all about looking back and, and thanking God for what we had accomplished and hopefully building our, our the view of ourselves a little better. No, we don't want to think too highly of ourselves, but neither do we want to think too lowly of ourselves. That is a negative thinking pattern. That is a mind monster. And in this series, we're talking about uh, how thinking produces who we are and what we accomplish. We're, we're trying to learn how to control our thinking, to identify and destroy mind monsters that limit us, self-defeating thoughts, you know, to avoid getting on the wrong train of thought that will take us to the wrong destination. And we've talked about a number of them, but I suppose one of them might be uh, having a low view of self. We, we've got to overcome that. And uh, let me give you an example. I, I was at, I, I, you know, I'm going to have guests on this podcast one day in Jesus' name. That's a whole nother area. You know, I started kind of doing it as a side project um, to really give back to those that donate to Life on the Verge. Not just them, but really just another avenue of influence. But it's pretty time consuming, as you can imagine. Um, and to increase it, I've talked about doing it on video Um it's going to take a lot more effort, and of course, when you use time for one thing, you're taking time away from another, so I'm really evaluating you know, how much I can give to it in 2024. I'm, I'm determined to be more faithful at getting it out weekly and uh, be more faithful. I've started doing this thing called Keystones. Maybe you've listened to them. They're only like three or four minute long little tidbits, snapshots, um, and try to put one of those out every week 
single week, 52 weeks. Um, so that's, that's my goal. But right now is just me and the microphone and, uh, you know, using parts of my story. Well, I want to engage somebody else uh, and their success by overcoming this, this uh, low view of self mind monster. Uh, my friend Sam Lucier. Now, Sam is an interesting character. The Lucier family, they're, they're partly to blame for the way that we live our lives. We went to Hedgesville Assembly of God in 19... 19- 95. That was our first full-time ministry position. And the Lucers were, you know, talked about a lot when we first got there in September. And the people would say, well, when the Lucers get back, when the Lucers get back, I learned that they were a children's ministry that traveled itinerantly all over the country, but they, by RV, but they based uh, at Hedgesville Assembly of God, which today is Hope Community Church. And I saw a picture of the family, you know, all dressed up like in church clothes. And me being this street level dude, you know, I just, I could have such a bad attitude towards church people that were too churchy. And it was a very churchy looking picture. And I thought, oh my gosh, when these people get back. Part of it was probably jealousy because, you know, they were, you know, hailed as heroes. Everybody talked about the Lucers, the Lucers, how awesome they were, you know. And here I was, this new guy trying to make a name for myself in the world of ministry, and all I heard about was the Lucers. I don't know. But I I already had prepared my mind for, oh boy, I got to deal with these churchy people. Well, as it turned out, uh, the Lucers became some of the dearest friends in our life. And all of the the good talk about them, pumping them up before they got there was well-deserved. They are incredible people, some of my life heroes. And Sam Lucier, as it turned out, had just turned 18 years old. And I may have shared this story before, but they landed, they lived in an RV full-time. The Lucier family raised their family in an RV. Actually, they began their children's ministry before they had children, traveling the country in a station wagon and sleeping God knows where. And then as they began to have children, they bought a beatable RV. I mean, a very similar pattern to what we followed. And uh, then they got a little nicer one, but they had a family, they had four kids and two adults in an RV, and that was their home. Well, when they got there, uh, Sam and I met like day one, and I was building a sign for our youth group back then. Some of you that listen remember Kingdom Come Youth. The very first sign, we I renamed the youth group Kingdom Come Youth. I didn't even think it had a name before then. And I was working on the sign, and Sam came in, and it turned out he was very much a creative. And I'm, I consider myself somewhat of a creative. And we just hit it off. We wrote a song together on day one. And though we're separated by 14 years, uh, he had just turned 18 years old. And he wanted to experience life outside of the camper. So he ended up moving in with Susan and I. Now, the Lucers would travel from somewhere around January all the way to like October, early November. And then they would come base for a couple of months. They'd rebuild their set for their next year's tour. Uh, their children's kind of Nickelodeon style church ministry, church kid ministry. It's called Kids Turn Today. Incredible ministry. If you ever get a chance to be at one of their events or take some children to it, fantastic. Most creative people. It just blows my mind. Look them up, kidsturn.com. Check out their creativity. All of the technology that you see that these guys had, they learned without one credit of college. They're all self-taught. So 
Sam ended up moving in with us for the entire year while his family went on the road. And uh, man, that dude, I tell you what, when we were doing video with just VCR, I mean, he just would learn. He thrived by reading manuals. And uh, today he runs a company called 5AM Productions and does some other side work. He, just an incredible videographer that does national level, international level, I should say, video work for some major players, live production stuff, uh, edited videos, such a talented dude. But he was also gifted in music. And at the time uh, he was living with us, I guess I led most of the worship because I had been a worship leader before I became a youth pastor. And I kept telling Sam, you need to be, you know, the worship leader, man. You got the skills. And he just could not see it. He would make every excuse. I don't know if it was pride. Ultimately, I think it was a low view of self. He didn't think he had the goods. He was maybe intimidated. Uh, by other worship leaders. He just, you know, would not do it. For an entire year, I haggled with this guy to get him to lead worship, and he would not do it. I think I did get him to play, you know, cover songs. We were doing Newsboys and DC Talk and stuff like that. He would do that, and he'd sing backup, but he just was not going to be in the spotlight. He loved to work behind the scenes, doing media and that kind of thing. And uh, the next year rolls around, and Sam, Sam decides to go back on the road with his family. They needed him, you know, his gifts and abilities. So he's gone for almost a year, comes back the next November. He's decided he wants to come off the road again and live with us again. And so I again start telling him, man, you need to lead worship. And he finally did it. He stepped out and he became our worship leader. And not to compare, but he's a much better worship leader than me, in my view. Incredible worship leader. He developed and honed that skill and later became the worship leader at Lighthouse Worship Center when I was the youth pastor, young adult pastor there. Uh, he became a full-time worship leader and slash media director. He does both today. Hope Community Church has grown from, I don't know, maybe 100, 150 people to now they're bucking 1,000 people with three campuses, one in New Hampshire, one in uh, Berkeley Springs, West Virginia, one in Hedgesville, West Virginia. And Sam has been a large driving force behind the music, the worship, and the media that's helped bring that growth. Thank God he overcame what I think was a low view of self. He didn't think good enough of his capabilities. And while he himself, the last time that we were at Hope Community Church, I think was in October, he got up and he told the congregation that story about that and, and you know, kind of gave me kudos for pushing him out there, kicking him out of the boat, you know, swim boy. Uh, and so... In this episode, I want to talk a little bit about that. How do we overcome a low view of self without overdoing it? I did a series a while back called The Passion of a Christian. I think that's what it's called. It might be worth going back and listening to that if you struggle with a low view of self. First off, you know, we talked about recognizing negative patterns. You know, do, do you... Uh, avoid the spotlight. Now, a lot of people don't like the spotlight, but it, and I'm not talking about um, promoting yourself. But if the Lord, through another person, 
offers you an opportunity to do something? Do you reject it because you don't think you're good enough? If your boss offers you a position as a supervisor or the next step up, do you hesitate because you don't think you got the goods? You may have a low view of self. Now, beware. Paul issued the warning. He said it was a warning. Don't think too highly of yourselves. So we've got to be cautious. But again, this, this is for people that struggle. When you know you struggle, you can recognize it. You struggle with a low view of self. Now, sometimes the source of that comes from comparison. You know, with the advent of social media and just media in general being all around us, we constantly are comparing our, our weight, our looks, um, how much money we make, what we drive, the house we have, and measuring to see, do I measure up? If you think that's playing into your low view of self, then you've got to starve those sources. You know, if it means deleting Facebook off of your phone and only checking it periodically, uh, I have done that. It's very hard for us with our ministry to do that, but uh, I don't have to scroll like I do sometimes. But I'm always on guard, you know, for that because most people, you know, we post the, the good, the up moments in our lives. Uh, and so that's what you're looking at. You're looking at the best moments of people's lives when you see that. And we all have best moments. So beware of the things that you're offering your body to, right? Your ears and your eyes. Beware if they're causing a comparison issue that ends up giving you a lower view of yourself. How does God view you, as a matter of fact? Maybe we should look at it that way. How does your heavenly Father view you? He knows what He has gifted you with. You know, He knows what you're capable of. He wants you to think of yourself the way that He thinks of you, that you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. And again, you're not going to be self-promoting yourself, you know, trying to you know lift your head above everybody else and be somebody. That's another trap to fall into. But are you cowering? Are you kind of ducking below everyone because you don't want to be noticed? I used to preach, uh, some of you that were at The Verge back in the day, I would say something like, uh, if you're in this community and you don't know me, you need to. <laughs> that sounds a little arrogant, but it was because I said, because I have something to say. You know, the, the gospel lives in me. You do need to know me. And I think all of us as Christians, um, we have a message, man, if we think about it, it. And we need to broadcast that to the world in whatever way that we can. You know, we talked about um, the perfectionist mindset that keeps us from putting our goods out there for people to consume. We, we have so many tools, so many capabilities. Some of you would think, well, I would never do a podcast because I just don't think I'm as good as, well, look, I know I'm no Joe Rogan, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't anticipate, you know, becoming some star through podcasting. That was never my goal, but I'm good enough to help somebody through this, this tool, this avenue that God has given me. And God gives us all avenues by which we can influence people around us. I don't know what yours looks like, but there are avenues, if you look for them, steps that you can take that may require making yourself vulnerable. We talked a little bit about that and how vulnerability is a very, very powerful weapon. 
We don't like vulnerability because it creates exposure. We put ourselves out there for criticism, and we don't like the embarrassment that comes with criticism. Uh, that's part of it. But sometimes it's that feeling of, I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. Man, it will keep you from your best, and it is a mind monster. It happens in your mind. Moreover, as Christians, we can operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the thing that we've got to remember. We have an anointing from the Holy One. I think it's 1 John that says that. I heard someone describe the anointing is the, the ability to do things way above what we could do in the natural. I know who I am in the natural, but I also know who I am in Christ. You know, when I get up to preach, for example, at a church, especially when I was a pastor and I had to have a new sermon every week, um, it, it, I had to get my mindset to say, you know what, I did the best that I could do, and I know that it is not good enough. But when the anointing comes through, it's going to be what the people need. I have an anointing. You have an anointing from the Holy One. So sometimes we've just got to step out and let God take over. We've got to do our best to prepare for whatever it is, but we can't have a low view of self that holds us back from, from taking those steps. We've got to realize that if I will just step out, I can trust that God will show up. For several years, I think it was four years, we took a team of college students, different students. There were a couple of repeat offenders, I call them, but most of them were new faces every year that were part of an uh, internship program at Watermark's camp. Uh, they don't run that anymore. It was called Stew House, Steward House, and uh, they would students, college students would go there for a year. They would have to be in college or online college. They paid a little fee, you know, to help cover electric bills and stuff. And they lived in the same house, girls on one floor, guys on the other. And they were kind of shepherded and stewarded or, you know, helped. I went up there and would speak once uh, or twice a year to them to help them figure out, you know, the trajectory they wanted to be on for their lives and that kind of thing. And every year they'd take a missions trip. And for four years, Life on the Verge got to host them and take them to prison. Now, none of them, out of all of them, I would imagine there were probably at least 80 different souls over that four years that had never been in a prison. So that's intimidating enough. But I let them know up front, you're going to give your testimony. I will be calling on you. And I know for a fact that many of them had struggled with low self-esteem, a low view of self. They didn't think much of themselves. And I know they were scared. Some of them were scared to death that they were going to be called on the platform, not in front of just any crowd, but a crowd of some, some of them very hardened criminals, lifers. And they were going to get up there and be expected to say something that made an impact. And I would encourage them. I'd say, look, God's going to show up. You just open your mouth. You take the step. And without fail, every one of them were so glad they did that. They could have told me, no, I'm not going to do it, but none of them ever did. They went ahead and took the risk, especially when they saw their peers doing it. You know, positive comparison can be a good thing. Being inspired by someone else can be a very good thing. And, and so they would get up and they would begin to share a part of their story or a scripture they read that morning, that morning. And without fail, the Holy Spirit would show up 
and it would impact those guys. And they knew it. Everyone in the room knew it, could feel it. But they had to take that first step and overcome that low view of self. And sometimes that's the case for all of us. We, we don't think highly enough of ourselves. It, it's not a, a, a terribly bad thing to realize who we are without Christ. You know, I think it was David that said, Who am I, Lord, that you would be mindful of me? Or who is man that you'd be mindful of us? Right. So we go at it with an attitude of humility, knowing that in in the natural, I'm very limited and I'm probably not good enough and I probably don't measure up. But through the Holy Spirit, I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That goes back to the question of motive in the first place. Why do you want to take this risk or this step? Why do you want to do this thing? Why do you want to take this opportunity? When I was asked to sing in church, for example, I mean, no motives. I've, I've said this before. You know, none of us have 100% pure motives. Part of it was, yes, I want to get better at music because I want to do music for a living one day. And now I have this opportunity to do this. But ultimately, it was, Lord, I, I really want to make an impact on these young people, so help me choose the right song. Um, I'm humbled at the opportunity to get to do this. But, you know, don't get off on a, on a false humility, you know, mindset. You can hear that come out of people's mouth, you know. Um, just a little too, you, you, when, when someone thanks you, for example, for preaching a good sermon in my case, or for... Uh, Maybe you sang a song, or maybe you created a business plan, or you did something that impacted other people and drew applause. How we handle applause is a big indicator of our motives. Sometimes we want to go into, and I'm guilty of this, we want to go into the all the background of how we did it, how we made this major accomplishment, made this major impact, and give them all the nitty-gritty details. And that's where it can almost become boasting in our own ability. Sometimes a simple thank you, awesome. You know, even when when we, we deflect it to God, it can be false humility. You know, well, thank you very much, man. Nothing but the Lord. You know, nothing but the Lord. No, it was you in step with the Holy Spirit that helped this thing to happen, this accomplishment, whatever it was that you stepped out to do. So there's a little of both mixed in there. So don't just say, oh, it it was all God. No, it was you too. So sometimes just a simple thank you is all that we need to offer to people unless they inquire and they dig deeper and they want to know more about how we accomplished something or did something. It's funny I say that, and this podcast is largely devoted to talking about how we have accomplished something or how I overcame something, but I I know in my heart, you know, I'm not going to think so low of myself that I wouldn't do this podcast because I'd be afraid that people would think that I'm boasting or something. No, I know that in my heart is the motive to help other people overcome obstacles, to achieve dreams, and learn from our mistakes as much as our successes. And so if you know in your heart your motive is to do a good and godly thing and to help other people, you can be freed from this you know, low view of self. I'm well aware that Jesus said the first shall be last, the last shall be first, that we are to be uh, a servant, leaders are to be servants. 
And so this isn't, again, about self-promotion, about jockeying for position, about exalting yourself. Promotion comes from the Lord, the Bible says. But when it comes, you know, the word opportunity, I heard, uh, I think it was Mark Batterson who described it in... uh, chasing a lion in a pit on a snowy day. I think it's the book's title, something like that. I think it was his first book. Uh, it's a pretty good book. Pastor Mark uh, ba- Batterson, who uh, pastors a church in Washington, D.C. But he talked about the word opportunity um, comes has a history of when uh, water would come in or the tide would come in, it was the chance for a ship to go out to sea. You know, it's like when the tide came in, that was the time to go. And if you waited, the tide would go back out and it would be much more difficult and ill-advised to try to go out of that particular harbor. And so when opportunity comes to us, that's when we've got to guard ourselves against a low view of self thinking that I'm not good enough. Well, if if you're asking for God's will in your life and someone comes to you and says, hey, we could really use your help in doing this particular thing. Someone else calls out a gift in you uh, and invites you to an opportunity. That's where we got to be on guard against thinking that says, well, I could never. I'm not good enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not where I need to be in order to come. I'm not gifted enough. Um, that That's where we've got to be on the lookout. When God brings an opportunity our way, then we've got to ask ourselves, well, I've been trying to hear from the Lord, and now I've been given an opportunity. We need to be very careful in turning it down. I mean, there's valid reasons to not be able to take every opportunity. I get that. But don't let a low view of self keep you from taking advantage of advantage of opportunities that God puts before you. I'll close with another illustration from my own life, a very recent one. I was asked to do a wedding for a multi-millionaire where there would be a lot of kind of professional people there. Let's put it that way. Uh, This wedding was held at a very expensive resort. Uh, The dude rented it for the entire weekend, and I think he paid the bill for everyone. Uh, Man, I I don't do a lot of weddings as it is. I'm not really, I don't, here you go, low view of self, right? Uh, I'm not super confident in formal settings like that. Now, I'll tell you why, uh, is because I can get up in front of a thousand people. I can get up in front of hardened criminals, you know, and and I can speak with passion and intent, and uh, not. You know, I may be a little nervous. I want to come off right, but man, I can do that with no problem because it's kind of informal, and people are paying attention to me, and I'm going to do everything I can to get them to pay attention to me, and I want to keep their attention. Well, in a formal setting like a wedding. I don't want the attention on me, and I don't want to ruin the day for the folks that, you know, deserve the attention. It's their wedding day. And so when I was asked to do this guy's wedding, man, I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't want to blow this, you know, but there was no way that I was going to say no for a a lot of reasons. I won't go into detail, but one, he's my friend and he asked me to do this and, but it, it's, scared the bejeebas out of me to to know that I was going to stand up here and I might say something you know in to give you an example I got up at my own sister's wedding and I have a friend 
and his name is Scott Brown. I grew up with Scott Brown way back in the 70s and 80s. Well, my sister was marrying a man named Scott Jones, and I got up in front of everybody, and I announced the couple, and I called him Scott Brown in front of everybody. And there was kind of a gasp. My, my sister laughed a little bit. She thought it was a joke. <laughs> so now I'm reflecting on having... A, a, I corrected myself in that setting, but a major failure in front of people. And it's really just amplifying this low view of self when it comes to this particular opportunity. But I knew I, I've got to do this for a lot of different reasons. The, the most important being what an honor to get to do a wedding for anyone, but to get to do this wedding for this man who in fact has been generous to our ministry, uh, to get up in front of, of, of you know his friends. I don't know most of them, co-workers, part of his company, um, it was quite intimidating, and I had to overcome this low view of self. And, you know, I talked in the previous episode, I think, about do it afraid. I was definitely afraid, you know, like, I don't want to blow this. And then there were other complications that got added to this wedding that aren't normally a part. For example, there was no best man uh, holding the ring. I had to hold the rings in my jacket pocket and hand it to them. I had to hold their vows. They wrote their own vows. So now I've got to shuffle paper and hand the rings and not drop one. And my, my point is, is that a low view of self could have, could have made an excuse. I wouldn't have told him outright. I could have made up a myriad of excuses. You know, oh, you know what? We're going to be away that weekend, whatever. I, I, I knew I couldn't do that. It was an opportunity. The tide had come in to... Uh, just build the friendship, build the relationship with this man to be a, a critical part of one of the most special moments of his life. And I, I'm so glad that I was able to overcome that. Now, I, I'm boasting. There's been few times, though, really, um, that I've turned down an opportunity I felt like God opened up for me to do it. I mean, since I've been walking with the Lord, maybe as a younger person, uh, I walked away from things. I shied away from things or I avoided things. That's another way, by the way, that we uh, can reflect a low view of self is that we don't outright say no. We just find excuses of why we can't do something when in reality it's rooted in you don't feel like you're good enough to do it. So I, I just want to close this podcast by encouraging you to be on guard for that. I mean, be on, be on guard for the opposite too. You know, don't think better of yourself. You're, you're, you're the best, you know, and promote yourself and all that. But when opportunity comes, beware of that mindset that says, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to measure up. I couldn't possibly do this. Well, in the natural, you might not be able to, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And when that kicks in, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Hope that helps. God bless you. Have a great week. Life on the Verge is a completely donor-funded IRS 501c3. 
If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about our work inside and outside of prison, visit lifeontheverge.com. If you'd like to hear more of our music, visit theplunders.com.